0: John chapter 10, verses 1 to 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He who has a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep
1: I'd like us to read the psalm together, and uh, many of you will know it off by heart. Uh, Let's read it together, um, and we'll sing it later uh, again, and then we'll study just a little bit more of it today in this series. So Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, it was to be three weeks on Psalm 23, and now it's going to be four. Uh, Just to encourage you, when we were planning the term card this week, I was delighted to discover the gift of a free week and uh, beyond Psalm 23 we have a series of three on the subject of money and giving and then into John's gospel at the start of the student term so four weeks on Psalm 23 and plenty to learn uh, from it plenty thank you for the many encouraging comments I ask you for them and you now give them to me, which is great, about uh, periodically taking our time, slowing down, a bit less content from me up here behind the lectern. And in response to some of your questions, we'll not be taking this much time all of the time, otherwise we'll never get to the end of anything. And I don't want to be standing up here this time next year saying we need to speed up. I think it's about varying the pace depending on which part of God's Word we're studying or what's going on. I mean, I don't really think that any of you, any more than me, have managed to put everything that was in our minds ten minutes ago out of our minds. We've got to bear that inside the psalm and bear the psalm to that. I was listening this week to some talks from a church called St. Thomas's in Sydney. Simon Manchester is the minister, and some of you will have heard him at Keswick this year or in the past. They took seven weeks on Psalm, and that's one more week than there are verses in the Psalm. (laughs) So three weeks, four weeks, it's just speedy. Why are we taking time with the Psalm? After all, it is very familiar. We could easily take time over stuff that's not familiar. Why are we taking time over what is very familiar? We are taking our time with the Psalms so we can learn it by heart. Thank you for those of us who felt that my encouragement to learn it by heart was an instruction and have told me that you've learned it and would now like to recite it to me so I can give you an award. (laughs) I don't mean recite it by heart, although that's a good thing to do because if you learn something by heart, then it comes back to you. You start saying it, singing it. Learning it by heart means learning to sing it, to pray it, to read it, to meditate on it in a way that engages not only our minds, although it does need to engage our minds, but our emotions, or what some people might call affections, our wills. So if a psalm helps you find joy in pain, You've got to have enough time to allow God's Word to take you to the point of experiencing that pain face on, and allowing God's Word to give you enough time to experience the joy in the pain. Otherwise, we, we, we skirt around the reality of life. And it's only when we come to the nub points, both the good and the ill, and the dark and the light that we are able truly to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. There are dangers, of course, in this. As we were so helpfully reminded last Sunday night, I encourage you to listen to that sermon from the Colossians series. This does not mean having Jesus plus some kind of elusive spiritual experience that has hitherto been elusive to us. That's not what I'm talking about, nor am I talking about superficial emotions. I'm not talking about the emotions that accompany the word fine, which are quite superficial. I'm not talking about putting a smile on our faces or bringing tears to our eyes. What I'm talking about is allowing the truths of God's Word, allowing the fact that we know God as Father, Jesus as Savior, that we have the Spirit of Jesus living in us really sink in Let me put it another way. It is giving ourselves time to come to terms personally with the simple biblical gospel and what it really means. John Piper is a great preacher and great to listen to on Psalm 23. And he said this, and it's worth me telling you it. It helps a church no end. When you grapple with a psalm like 23, when before your very eyes, many people need what it says. I mean, in this season of church life, there's no better place for us to be. Now, last week, we looked at the psalm as a whole. We didn't even get near the trees for looking at the wood. We saw that it is a psalm that Jesus sings first, so we sing with him. We saw that it reveals the Lord's absolute commitment to you, and we saw it as a sound that helps us from talking about God to talking to God. One of the striking things about gathering together in a church community, if you're in Britain, is that I do all the talking and you do all the listening. And think how many conversations have gone on this week over the joys and the sorrows we face as a church family. What do I see? What do I say to them? I'm going to put my foot in it again. And here we are together, and what are we doing collectively? Talking to God. Not talking about Him, but talking to Him as we pray and as we sing. Now, big picture stuff. Do listen to last week if you weren't uh, around, if you were on holiday. Um, This week and next, uh, I want us to be on verses 1 to 4, where the theme is the, the shepherd, Lord, And verses that focus on this life. So verses 1 to 4 are all about this life, however long or short that is on this earth. And then in three weeks' time, no, two weeks' time, uh, verses 5 to 6, the Lord is my host, which focus on the life to come uh, eternity. And then verse 6 is a summary of uh, the whole psalm. That's the plan. And uh, this week and next, verses 1 to 4, the Lord is my shepherd, this life. So this is about, if you are a Christian, what's ahead of you or what's been behind you. Let's read verses 1 to 4 again. I'll read it this time. You follow with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, let me just say again that these verses are about this life on this earth, our life as Christians in this world. And the best way, I think, to get our heads around them is to take the verses step by step. Phrase by uh, phrase. And as we do so, there is a danger that we get kind of, uh, we forget that it's a prayer and a song. So if you reflect on the individual verses this afternoon, do so by singing the whole thing or reading the whole psalm. Now, the psalm begins The Lord is my shepherd. The word you see in your Bibles for the Lord. Is spelled capital L capital O capital R capital D that's the Hebrew word Yahweh it is the most common word for God in the Bible what does it mean and it makes all the difference as we read this psalm to know what these what that word capital L capital O capital R capital D Yahweh means now there are two phrases that together get to the heart of what it means. I wish there were one, but <laughs> I can't think of it. Somebody tell me later. Two phrases. The first is simply this What does the Lord or Yahweh mean? It means I am, it means absolute. Let me read to you from a devotional by John Piper. I did try to summarize this and put it in my own words, but it was so pathetic that I'll just read his, and it's much better. Um, This is what he says I am, or the absolute nature of God is. And remember what you're singing, the Lord is my shepherd, so this is the God who is your shepherd. And it helps us get rid of pictures in our minds that aren't helpful. About shepherds here we go the absolute nature of God I am Yahweh means God has always existed he never had a beginning and he will have no end he is absolute reality there is no reality outside of him unless he wills and makes it he is all that was eternally no space no universe no emptiness only God he is utterly independent he depends on nothing to bring him into being or support him or counsel him or make him what he is. And the flip side of that coin, everything that is not God depends totally on God. The entire universe and everything in it, including life and humanity, depends on God. All that we are amazed by in this world and in the galaxies is compared to God as a drop in a bucket. He is constant. He is faithful. He cannot be bettered. He is not becoming anything. He is and always has been who he is. He is the absolute standard of truth and goodness and beauty. There is no law book to which he looks to know what is right or guidance he seeks to determine what is excellent or beautiful. He himself is the standard of rightness, truthfulness, and beauty. He does what he pleases. It is always right and always in accord with his ultimate truth. So he is utterly free of any constraints that do not originate from the counsel of his own will. He is the most important and most valuable reality and person in the universe. He is more worthy of interest and attention and admiration and enjoyment than all other realities, including the entire universe. And he is your shepherd. You see? Now, that might blow your minds, but at least it gives you confidence. (laughs) Now, the first phrase that gets us to the heart of the Lord, we're only on word one, (laughs) dear me, or Yahweh means I am, conveying the absolute nature of God, the awesome I am. The second and related phrase, if you were to pick up or ask a a Jew in the Old Testament, what does Yahweh mean? It means I am, and it means I am with you. I am with you. The awesome I am. Is absolutely committed to you, to you personally as a believer. And you need to come to terms, and we looked at this last week with the personal nature of the Psalm. It's all you, 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 me, me, me. The absolute I am is absolutely committed to you as your shepherd. That's quite unnerving if you actually think about it. It's actually easier to say that the absolute I am, or the absolute God of all eternity is committed to the church, or to His purposes in the world, or to somebody else, but it's you, and it is you, whoever's eye I am catching and whoever I'm not. when we were in America, you're going to hear American stories, I'm afraid, over the course of this term, Um, but none about my children. Washington, the war monuments are extraordinary. One of them, I think, that stood out for me was the memorial of the Korean War. And there's a, a, a paddy field that's being created with I think, 35 or so soldiers. And wherever you stand in that monument, one of the soldiers is looking at you to cover your back. If you are a Christian, wherever you sit here, whatever your life is, the Lord Jesus, the great and awesome I am, is absolutely committed to you. One more step though. The great awesome I Am is absolutely committed to you as your shepherd, and this takes it to a whole different level in the person of Jesus. You see how God not only is so thoroughly for us as our shepherd, but He is committed to us in the person of His Son who came and made his dwelling amongst us, and who lives in us by his own Spirit. So, the God of glory, the great awesome I am, is absolutely committed to you to the extent that he gave his Son, and his Son by his Spirit lives in your very body. And so, these words you sing in the Spirit… The words of Jesus. Now, uh, later on in the term, we will be in John's Gospel, and the section is chapter five to ten, which focus on the identity of Jesus. All about the fact that he is equal with God, fully God. Uh, John records how Jesus established his identity in lots of different ways, and the titles he takes for himself. Y- you'll know this familiar to many of you. They all begin with the words "I am." I am the bread of life, Yahweh. That's me, Jesus says. I am the light of the world. And in John 10, the passage uh, Amy read, I am the door of the sheep, I am the good shepherd. The great awesome I am is absolutely committed to you as your shepherd in the person of Jesus. And therefore close, and therefore intimate, and therefore personal. How close? He lives in you by his Spirit. And so we can sing as we will sing later on. great words these. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold he must hold me fast. Psalm 23 is not about a committed Christian's life. Psalm 23 is about a committed God to us. It's very different. Now, let's consider what it means now that the Lord Jesus is our good shepherd. And I guarantee we'll stop on 30 minutes. So we can take it in. See where we've gone so far? The great, awesome I am is absolutely committed to you as your shepherd, in the person of Jesus Christ, who lives in you by His spirit, up close and personal. What then, does it mean that Jesus is our good shepherd? John 10 and Psalm 23 tells us what it means. And we need to know, we need clarity, so that we are not just left with a consciousness of God's power and His tenderness, but the substance of that power and tenderness and what it means the shepherd does for us. So, turn with me back to John 10, which is on page 896. we will have much more on this when we get to it in our series on John, but here's the substance of it. This is what it means that the great and awesome God, who is absolutely committed to you in the person of, His, in the, in the person of Jesus as your shepherd, this is what it means. Number one, look at verses seven to nine, He is the door into the sheepfold. The sheepfold is what the people of God, the company of believers, the church, God's family. Read with me from verse 7, Jesus again said to them, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. There's a similar meaning phrase later in John's gospel, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus is the way into the sheepfold. He is the way into the Christian life. He is the way into living your life in the way this psalm describes, the way to everlasting life. Enter in through faith in Jesus, and you will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven, and you will go in and out and find pasture. How exactly does Jesus, our shepherd, bring us into the sheepfold? Answer, he lays down his life for the sheep so they can come in. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life For the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. I think that's a reference to how the Lord Jesus didn't bottle it when it came to the cross. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Then verses 14 and 15 Jesus knows his own and his own know him. I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. You know, when a baby cries in church, I mean, a cry is a cry, like a sheep is a sheep. That baby's mum, usually, is up and out, because they know the cry of their baby. The Lord Jesus knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. So in light of all that we've studied thus far in the psalm today, and in light of all that's going on in our life as a church and in your lives, do you know Jesus? Do you know of him or about him? Or do you know him? Knowing personally means coming through faith because of his saving death, forgiving your sins, putting his Spirit within you, life in the Spirit if you don't know him like that you might be one of the other sheep who are not yet in the sheepfold verse 16 I have other sheep that are not of this fold I may bring them in also and they will listen to my voice are you listening are you hearing Jesus calling you into the sheepfold Well, come in. Trust Him as your Savior. And then the final thing we read in John 10 that the shepherd, Jesus, does for us. Go back to the start of the chapter. I've not worked out yet why this bit is at the start, so somebody can tell me or I can sort it out before we preach it. Go back to verses 1 to 6 and actually listen to what they say. There's some odd stuff in here. Truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door... But climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door, remember, you entered by the door, who is Jesus, but verse 2 isn't saying that. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he was brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Uh, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand. I, I suspect that they didn't understand, so we, get, we go to the bits that follow. Now, I think what these verses are saying at the start of John 6 is that the sheepfold is the place of safety and security where you are safe and secure... As you are eternally, there's a seal on you if you are a Christian. Nothing will separate you from God's love in Christ. But Jesus comes into the sheepfold. And he leads us out through life to eternity. It makes sense. For we do not live, do we, in this world, closeted away in a pen which feels or is safe. Jesus brings us out of the sheepfold. Once we are secure in him, once we know his voice and he knows us, and he leads us through life, where there are, and now we're back in Psalm 23, green valleys, quiet waters, dark valleys, and a pitch black valley at the end through them, through toil and temptation and suffering, to the end of the psalm where I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, when we get into the meat now of Psalm 23, what we have behind us is the fact that the great and awesome God who is absolutely committed to you I'm just seeing John in my eyes. You. And I want to personalize that. You. As your shepherd in the person of Jesus, who lives in you by his Spirit, who for you is the way into the sheepfold, the way, the truth, and the life who laid down his life to allow you to come in, who knows you, and you know his voice, and he takes you and he leads you out of that sheepfold, never putting your security in peril, and he leads you through life, the mountains and the green bits and the dark bits he will get you home to glory now that's the frame that we enter the psalm with i think we should maybe stop there but we have got a few more minutes you understand now why at the end of verse one it says i am the good shepherd no what does it say (laughs) the lord is my shepherd i literally have everything i need Not everything I want. It's not everything I want. Do you think that some of the circumstances we have faced as a church this week are what people want? But you flip the coin and say that because the Lord is my shepherd, do I have everything I need when I face these issues that, humanly speaking, I could never deal with? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It means, I don't know, righteousness. He is the way in. He lays down his life. He knows us. We know him. He leads us. I think that's what's alluded to in the verses that follow. A shepherd leads his sheep to green pastures so they might feed, that their hunger might be satisfied. Likewise, a shepherd leads their sheep to quiet waters so they can drink, that their thirst might be quenched. Blessed are those, Jesus said, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. There's a spiritual dimension to being settled in green pastures and being led to still waters, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. That does not mean that Jesus is indifferent to our physical needs. That's why we have a family here as a church. Nobody should be hungry. Nobody should have no roof over their heads. Nobody should rejoice alone. Nobody should cry alone. Nobody should die alone. With Jesus and his righteousness, we have everything we need And you know, all of you, and I know this, that possessions and position and security and status and family and friends and health, that matters, but not as much as having Jesus. Let me finish with this. Yeah, Jesus restores my uh, soul. you know, I want you to read on this afternoon to verses 3 and 4. I made the kind of decision that it wouldn't be, we don't have to put ourselves through a complete ringer and spend today on verse 4 of the psalm. We'll do that next week when we have more courage, not more clarity, not more confidence, but just human courage. Let me finish with Jesus restores my soul. Now, This is what I wrote when I was a young minister, which was some while ago. This is what I wrote then. You know that feeling when you are running on physical empty. You look physically drained, you feel physically drained. There are times when we are running on spiritual empty when we need refreshment, vitality, and spiritual life. The Lord restores your soul. Oh, if life were that simple. (laughs) Oh, if life were that simple. Nor is it even, you know, that old time, oh, for a closer walk with God. Where is the blessedness that once I knew when first I saw the Lord? Where is that soul-refreshing view of Jesus and His Word? It's not just that. It's not just about going back to the Word and letting the Lord Jesus restore our souls. Whether it's looking at creation. We used to spend our Sundays in London, either in Richmond Park or in the fir tree garden of Wisley great for hide-and-seek and climbing the trees and being told to get down. You do find your soul restored in the hills. You find your soul restored in the Word. But when you were with someone as they die, you don't look at a picture postcard of a mountain, do you? You don't even open up God's Word. Well, you do, but you, you turn to Jesus. And that's why as we get into verses 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 in the psalm, the Lord is no longer he, the Lord is you. Please do not fight to find the right passage this afternoon to restore your weary souls. He restores your soul. Wait on him. Pray for those who suffer the most keenly and wait on him to restore your souls this is in my mind so I may as well tell you the most I think haunting thing I've ever heard in my life is a guy called John Chapman an Aussie preacher he stood up and read in a church service an evangelistic service he said here's a different kind of song and he began this way he said if The Lord is not my shepherd. I may have everything I want, but nothing I truly need. Nobody is there to lead me in the hard times. And when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm utterly alone. That's worth pondering on, isn't it? Let me, as I pray, invite you to come to the Good Shepherd and make him your Savior. Let's pray. Our Father God, we uh, thank you that this psalm is this way around, that it's all you to us. We thank you that the great and awesome and mighty God of all creation The God who is dependent on no one and nothing and no person is absolutely committed to us individually in the person of Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit indwelling us as our shepherd. The way into the sheepfold that is the company of God's people, the church, the family of God through the sacrifice of that good shepherd who laid down his life for us, who knows us and we know his voice and who takes us out of that safety that is the sheepfold into this world and through this life. And whatever this life brings to us, he will lead us safely home. Father, we pray that those who do not have Jesus as their shepherd in this room would hear the glorious words of invitation, come to me, all who are weary, and find rest for your souls. That is the ultimate restoration of the soul. Help us, Lord, to face reality and find Jesus for his sake. Amen.